uh, if you are new, we have Bibles uh, in the back. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Uh, right now what we're doing is we're going through uh, the book of Genesis. Right before that, I have, one, I have some housekeeping stuff. And if you're new, this might not mean much to you, but it's very important to us because um, this is about us equipping our saints to live the gospel all week. Um, there should be a slide about covenant. Do I just go ahead and click? Oh, here we go. Sweet. All right. A couple things I want to make sure that you know you can get. Uh, please don't miss this. Um, MacAvers, if you didn't get this, this is a, a MacAv outreach schedule from now all the way till the end of December. Okay? Make sure you have this, uh, MacAvers. Make sure you uh, know what's up. Know when you guys are leading a corner store. Like, uh, for example, I think our group is leading corner store on the 19th. So, um, so make sure you know that, know when you're going to be leading your momentum outreaches. And if you are just saying, hey, I want to be on mission, I'm trying to figure out what does it mean to walk with the Lord, to serve the Lord here, uh, go out there, grab one of these, um, see what's up, and then ask questions if you have questions. But just know uh, that there's a lot of opportunity to serve. I mean, even like Saturday, yesterday, we had uh, two corner stores going on. We had one on Mac and Rones. We had one on Mac and Bills. Uh, David was working hard with a bunch of students at the Burns house. We had people at the Parker house continually doing rehab. God is doing some stuff in the community. Uh, so, so just... I think it would be kind of weird if you're at Mac Ave going, man, I have absolutely nothing to do. I just don't see that. So um, please, there is something to do at Mac Ave. Um, the second thing is I know sometimes some of you guys are like, man, what's this homie's number? What's this girl's number? Uh, don't call me. Here's a Mac Ave list. This is a Mac Ave. Con- I'm joking. That was a joke. This is a Mac Ave contact list, and uh, it'll be we'll update it here and there. So, uh, but this is a contact, li- contact list. Please uh, grab that. That should be outside as well. You walk out to your left. Okay, family? So to make sure you had that information. Um, finally, I want to discuss uh, real quick, uh, as much as I can, with hopefully the humility of the spirit, just hear my heart here, Macav family, uh, this issue between covenant and contract. And this is before we even get into Genesis. This is something that's, um, just want to make sure uh, we talk about this as we talk about Mac groups and discipleship. Um, when you, Macav, you understand that our whole focus, um, we, we are trusting the Lord uh, to see us grow as people, um, and we've just decided that the method, methodology we would use is that we would, be, we would be discipling, that we would be making disciples. And we see that in two ways. Um, discipleship is holistic in our flavor, uh, not, not talking to theology, make disciples, go baptize and teach, and we all understand that. But in our flavor, what we're doing is that we have the interpersonal component where individuals are one-on-one with each other and doing some intentional training. And then we also have, and it's not, it's not secondary, but we also have uh, the MAC group component, okay? That's when we come together as a, co- as a group, right? So like between uh, six to nine people, and we do life together, making sure that we can hold each other accountable, be encouraging each other, and caring for each other, okay? Um, when we, when we enter into these, these MAC groups and these discipleship, this whole aspect of one-on-one relationships, uh, we do it, and you know each one of you have signed a covenant, okay? Right? To be in MAC group and to be in the discipleship relationship, you sign a covenant. Uh, what you do, if you don't remember, you might want to go back and grab it or I can give it to you. Um, we've said that we want to be in, in community together. So I want to des- I'm going to describe what the covenant means, okay? Um, here's the difference between a covenant and a contract. Uh, contract involves promises, okay? Covenants involves oaths, okay? Uh, what I mean by that is that basically um, is that, you know, you, you, with, with, a, with a promise, usually a promise is like a one-on-one. I'll show in one moment what, how, how an oath is different because you add another party to an oath, okay? Contracts exchange property. Covenants exchange persons, 
Okay? So, so my point in that, the first one, is uh, oath. The reason why, okay, a contract, if it's me and you, you say, hey, Eric, um, why don't you buy these, um, these chairs for me? Or I want you to do something. I say, well, I promise I'll do it. Um, that's a promise. I promise. And what I'm saying, I'm saying based on my, my word, my name, I'll, I'll fulfill my part of the bargain. You say, well, I'll fulfill my part of the bargain. Go, okay, praise the Lord. Okay? So we go and leave. A covenant is different because when you do a covenant, and that's why marriage is so beautiful, is because what you're doing is you're bringing a third party, a third party being the Lord. Now, see, what's interesting for someone, I don't know, maybe it's just us and evangelicalism and what we've done now in this day and age. It's sad. That doesn't mean much these days. It should, though, because it still means the same to God. When you say you are in a covenant with someone, what you are saying is you're saying, I'm promising but also, I'm not just promising to you, I'm promising to God. Okay? And that's why we don't want to go into covenants flippantly. Okay? That's why covenants are extremely important. So you don't just run up on a covenant and go, okay, I'll do that. Because you're saying, hey, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm promising you and I'm promising the Lord of creation. On the same page? Okay? Don't be mad at me. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay? So that's what, that's what we're doing. Okay? Uh, contracts exchange property, covenants exchange persons, okay? When we, when we say, hey, we're going we're gonna, to, when you say, hey, Adrian, I want to be in a discipleship relationship with you, and Adrian says, and that's why intentionality and commitment is essential at MacAff, but it's just a concept, is that if Adrian's going to give her time and resources to someone, but she doesn't know if they're going to be going tomorrow, if they're going to display her, then she's being a bad steward of her life, and it's kind of not smart, okay? And she has two kids, um, you know, um, you one has special needs. She doesn't, she doesn't have a lot of time on her hand, okay? So, and that's, and that's the same for everybody in this room. We're all hustling and working hard for Jesus. And so, uh, so when we say, um, hey, you know, we're going to do this, we're not just saying we're exchanging property. What a covenant assumes is people are exchanging each other. You're giving yourself to another person. Are you feeling me? Do you see why I'm bringing this up? Because that's what we said we're doing when we have MAC groups. That's what you said you're doing. That's what you said you're doing when you say you're going to spend time and be on a one-on-one relationship with somebody. You said between you and the Lord Jesus and that person, this is what we're going to be about. And this is what they've said to you. Okay? So when people enter into a covenant, they're saying, I'm yours and you are mine. Okay? So when we enter, so in a contract, you exchange something that's yours. In a covenant, you exchange yourself. You see that? And it's very different, right? For, it's versus somebody giving me this book and say, I want to give you something that's mine versus I'm going to give you myself. Okay? So you give yourself to another person. This is what we're assuming, family, um, when we enter into a covenant relationship. Before I hit that, sorry. Uh, I bring it up, family, because here's what I'm saying. Now hear, now hear me here, MacAv. Uh, this is not about legalism. Okay? Hear me here. This is not about... You need to, I mean, therefore, always do everything, always be at every meeting. Uh, you, you know that's not our heart, right? All right, I'm just going to make sure everybody's with me. So I know you hit a baby, but I want you to be with me, Mac Ave. Because this is a very important discussion, because this is the fabric of what we're doing as Mac, at Mac Ave. So if we're, if we're not on the same page here, um, we're going we're gonna to miss out. Okay? Okay, so, so this is not about checking off lists. This really is about the heart. So we, we want to all believe the best in each other. But what we don't want to build, we don't want to have an ethos. We don't want to start building a DNA where we flippantly just think where, where it's not about covenant, but it's about convenience. 
You don't go to Matt group when it's convenient. You go to Matt group because you are in a covenant. Do you see the difference? Covenants cost you something. Okay? They cost you something. So, yeah, sometimes it's going to be like, wow, I have all this stuff to do. And Matt group, you're in a covenant. So that means we might need to plan better, and we give grace. If you, if you need to miss here and there, it's totally cool. There's cats who go out of town. We are not tripping off any of that. We are saying, let's make sure our hearts are right. Let's just make sure our hearts are right. That's all I'm asking, that your heart's right, my heart's right. We're going to the Lord, and we're even confessing sin. When I do flippantly miss Matt group or I flippantly don't want to care about discipleship, you know, in, um, the interpersonal component, that I'll be willing before the Lord to come and confess sin and repent. And restore that relationship. Guys, it's serious. We're not playing church here. We're trying to grow each other in Jesus so that we can be a sharp arrow for our king, okay? All right? So I just want to make sure that we're on the same page of what, what we're all saying when we're entering into this relationship. Now, when you hear this and you go, whoa, didn't know I was talking about covenant. That's cool. Well, I want to propose that you re- think about it and... You know, if, if you feel like, well, I don't want to do a covenant, that's okay. But I, want, but I want to make sure we're not going into these relationships flippantly because they're not flippant. Very intentional for the purpose of God's glorification. All right, fam? Care? Haven't we? We're, we're, totally give, we're totally giving grace to experience it on Jesus' terms. So that means you even experience what a covenant looks like in community. You don't, you don't say, well, okay, that's crazy, and then I'm going to go off for three months, and when I'm ready, I'll come back. See, that's not covenant. You say, wow, I'm really struggling with this. I'll see you next week. And we wrestle, and we fight, and we pray. And we, and we do this journey together. And we be family. You don't do it. and it's, See, that's the thing. Covenant assumes community. And so, when, and so a key indicator that you have missed it is when you are going, I do things on my own terms, and then I'll bring you in when I want to. That's ungodly. That's not from the Lord, family. If, you're, if you have an independent spirit, I want to tell you that's kind of demonic. God has created us with community in mind. He's created us to wrestle together, even when we don't want to. And I have the tendency, just like everyone in this room, to say, no, I do my own thing. I'm a man. I pay my own bills. And then God says, repent. I'm telling you, family, no one in here doesn't struggle with this. I'm just saying, let's struggle together. That's all I'm saying. We're going to move on. Um, I just want to make sure we understand it because if, 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 we, if we blow this, then uh, I don't know what we're doing. Because this is what we're here for, uh, to be in community so people can hear, see a clear expression of the gospel, come to Christ, walk with the Lord, then pour their lives into others, see the community transformed by God's grace. All right, Genesis, ready? All righty, we're in Genesis 6. And any questions, you guys know how we are, guys. Ask those questions. Just know 
This is a grace-motivated ministry. This is not some legalistic weird stuff. Not saying you got to do this, you got to do that. This is all about the heart. And I'm just saying, MacAff fam, just make sure we're looking at our hearts and that we're okay with you know accountability, so that we can be so that we can be God's people together. That's the desire. All right, good stuff, family. Here we go. So we had our, our my man. Everybody ready? Pins and pencils. If you need them, you can raise your hands. Uh, we had my man uh, come in last week. Uh, did a great job talking about Gen- uh, Genesis 5. I want to do a quick rehab, a, a rehash, and then we're going to fly through some text real quick. Uh, if the question is essential, let me know. It's going to be a lot of weird stuff. Got to do some, uh, some housekeeping through Chapter 6 before we can get to the meaning of the text and then the application. So bear with me a little bit. Okay. Um, real quick, a, a few things I want to um, rehash. So Chapter 5, uh, which is interesting, you know, that's the, um, you know, the genealogy. About 1,500, I think 1,560 years specifically, I would say over 1,500 years of genealogy in one chapter. Um, family genealogy, what's the point? Um, I think this was talked about last week. I just want to make sure we get it. Notice that we are, uh, I think the point is that we all die, and no one, no one, really under, no one sort of escapes the sin problem. We're all basically sinners. Uh, one of the main things that, guess what? Okay, so we had this issue in Genesis 3. Uh, we see this kind of, uh, uh, we, we, we go through Genesis 4, and we see, you know, Cain and Abel, and what we begin to see throughout all this time is that, man, that, man, God's promise that people will die happens. And so and no, and no one kind of escapes it. I'm going to talk about Enoch in a moment. Uh, no one beats a sin problem. There's no progress, contrary to popular opinion, uh, in our day and age. You know, you ever been to Disney World? They have um, Epcot Center. It's the weirdest thing I've seen. They got the whole, uh, it's like the, it's like, is it, is it like the world of progression. Like they, they, they show you like how, how, how much better we're becoming and, and the more things we get, the better we are. This is a total lie from Pitt. Like, no, I tell you that the Bible says uh, we don't become better, but we actually, we actually become worse. And actually I would say that after the fall, there was devolution, not evolution, uh, that we become more evil and we're, and we're inclined to do evil all the time. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Enoch, the only one revealed to love God. Now, I know this is, this is up for debate, and I'm just proposing what seems some, some sense that's going to flow into Genesis 6. A lot of times we look at Enoch, and I want you to store this in your heart. Uh, this is, again, in Genesis 5, and we see Enoch. He lives the least in chapter 5, right, as far as the amount of years, uh, but he's the only one who actually walks with the Lord. So it's interesting that he lives the least, but lives the longest, because he'll be with God forever. Okay, it's very interesting. Um, a lot of times we go, wow, righteous man, you know, great guy. Um, and we even look at it because it's Seth's line, so it's the line where the promise is going to come from. And we can automatically think, you know, maybe these people are all walking with the Lord. Who knows? I propose that the reason why uh, Genesis 5 doesn't tell you anything about people's walk with the Lord um, is because of what we're going to see in Genesis 6. Uh, and that is people were just doing evil all the time. And I, it seems that, that what God was trying to formulate in Genesis 5 was a concept that we see all throughout Scripture, and that's the concept of the remnant, okay? That you have all kind of messed up people, uh, and then you have a select people who actually are doing what God has called them to do. Um, I'm going to prove that in a moment. I just want to set that up for now. So we enter into Genesis chapter 6. So Genesis 5, we have this long genealogy. We got all these people. We realize, man, they're born, they have some kids, and they die. 
born, have some kids, and then die. Just seems kind of mundane. You know, life isn't about us. Uh, we really don't matter as much as we think we do. That's what Genesis 5 is about. Kind of makes us mad because we're all arrogant. I'm kind of arrogant in my flesh. Um, but God is saying, it's really not about you. It's really about walking with the Lord. We hit Genesis 6, and look what happens here. It says, men begin to increase in number on the earth, uh, and daughters were born to them. The sons saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Okay? Uh, so we jump right into um, this issue of increase. Again, from Genesis 5, we were seeing this continually increasing of the earth because we're seeing the population of the earth happen. More and more people have more and more people, more and more people have more and more people. And we hit here uh, where when men began to increase in the earth, the number of the daughters were born to them. Uh, the sons and guys saw that daughters of men were beautiful. And they married many, I mean, any of them that they chose. So who are the sons of God? That's the first question you've got to ask, right? Now, all you guys, you know, we all struggle with this, right? And, you know, we think, oh, the sons of God are, you know, demonic spirits. Um, that could be some of the, right, so, sons of God are demonic spirits. They impregnate the, uh, the women. Uh, this, was some, this is some thoughts. I didn't make this up. Um, and I would say that I don't think that, that actually, and this is what is in a lot of books, uh, because you've got the whole Nephilim piece, which we'll see in a moment. I think it's kind of problematic. I don't think, it's, um, I don't think these are demons. And the reason why people would say that they might be demons is because sons of God is used many times in the scriptures um, as referring to angels. Okay? But also it's refer, uh, it refers to men many times in scripture too. So I don't think that's a good uh, case, a case base to make uh, for this being angel or angelic beings. So who are the sons of God? Uh, Here's uh, my, my problems with the demonic conclusion. Uh, angels seems to not get married in Scripture. Uh, Matthew 22, 30 uh, sort of says that. I don't think this is the biggest, I don't think this is where you should hinge your argument on, but it says, hey, you know, in the resurrection, we'll be given a marriage, we'll be like angels in heaven. Um, why, why, what's interesting is why, why would God punish men for the initiation of sin by angels? Because we're going to see in a couple of verses that because of whatever happens here, he begins to punish men. Uh, which I don't get that if angels came and grabbed the ladies and, and began to marry them. Uh, and also, the reason behind God's sorrow and judgment, uh, we'll see in a moment. Yes? Okay. Have you read the passage? Oh. Okay, well, that's a MacAv thing. We're in chapter 6. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Okay, so yeah, let me go back then. So when men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married uh, any of them they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man for, his, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. It says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards uh, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men uh, and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. So basically, what I'm talking about right now is I'm trying to clear up a basis where people think that these men who actually married these daughters were, were some kind of angelic beings and had these men called Nephilim in the passage. But it sounds like y'all don't really care about that. Right, yeah, well, but, but, and, that, and that's what, yeah, this is actually the, the normal mode of operation. People think that these are, because even as, I think, Mark, you were shaking your head, people usually think the sons of God are angels. 
then wow, sons of God are, are marrying women. Wow, that's interesting. How do the sons of God marry women? Well, I'm proposing it's not, they're not angels. They're sons of God. They're, I'm proposing they're believers. Right. And what I was showing here is that, that there's a problem biblically of reason why I think it's not demons, not just I don't think it's demons. It seems like the scriptures don't encourage that demons um, are marrying people. Is that helpful? Yes, sir. Exactly. No, great point. So what, this, uh, what my brother is saying here is that basically this was probably, some of this stuff could have been borrowed from Greek mythology, which I am in totally agreement in, um, which, yeah, my point in that is that it was borrowed, that I think the thought was borrowed from Greek mythology, but I wouldn't say that it's bibliocentric. So, so really, no, that's good insight. Although we don't have the time to go through the Greek mythology piece, but that is something in your own time would be awesome to research because it's, it is kind of uh, fascinating to see where they got this stuff. So let me, let me fly through just to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So, Carrie, so Carrie's point was, what are you talking about? Um, and so an and so, and, and assumption was that, every, that as, I, as I go through, you know, kingdom living and see so many people think that this is, these are angelic beings, I thought I would say, okay, here's why it's not angelic beings. Um, so let me make sure that we're all back on the same page again. So... Basically, in the beginning here, uh, these people, let me just move forward. Um, I'll, go, I'll go past that one second. So he says, uh, Then the Lord said, My spirit would not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. So basically, uh, in the beginning, it says, uh, Men were increasing in numbers. You had these sons of God marrying these daughters of men. And they were beautiful, and they married um, them any any of them that they chose. So, the reason why I started there is because the sons of God usually is assumed to be angels, which I get. But other passages in Scripture show that they're not angels. So that's that's what my point was, sis. Okay, and that the answer I would say is that these are believers marrying unbelievers. Okay, so let me go back real quick. Um. And the point, and, and the biggest piece in this text here is that it seems, uh, and this is why it's very good for you to have a Bible, um, everybody, if you have a Bible, because to, to, not, to jump back and forth through the text without a Bible makes, I think, we'll be lost um, big time. Uh, so, so if you notice, he says, uh, Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. So I propose that that's the reason why people think they're angels, because it says that they had sex, 
procreated and had these people called a Nephilim, which I think is flawed as well. But it seems the biggest, the bigger issue, the, the biggest issue that starts in Genesis uh, one through four um, is is the issue of God, ungodliness of men in the day. And and because if you look at verses one through four, you got to ask yourself, like, why is that here? Have you read verses one through four and you thought, man, why is one through four here? It just seems kind of like just put out of nowhere before you start talking about Noah. And I propose that the reason why it's there is because he's continually trying to bring us from Genesis 5 and show us that consistently man were doing increasingly, increasingly evil things. And that, and, and which, I, which I think is interesting because he almost make the, makes the apex of evil things being marrying uh, those who don't know Jesus, those who don't love God. Which, which, you know, I mean, we kind of we see that as bad, but, but it seems like we kind of take that as not as serious as the Lord does. Where he sees the apex is that when you start to unite yourself with individuals who don't love God, he's saying, oh, my goodness, uh, men are really doing evil now. Uh, which is, you know, that's, that's for free for you, you guys who are single and you like some honey or something like that. And, you, you know, she doesn't love the Lord and you kind of like trying to talk yourself and why you should hook up with her. I'm just proposing to you that in Genesis 6 is one of the main reasons that God says, I'm tired of this, I'm going to kill everybody. <laughs> so look what he says here. Matthew 24, 37 to 39. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. It says, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, look at this, marrying and giving in marriage. Like why, like, why is that important? Marrying and giving in marriage. I thought he wanted marriage. I thought procreation was a good thing. Well, obviously the assumption probably is that they were marrying and giving in marriage individuals who were not equally yoked. And that just, God was like, really? Like, you, 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 you just, you're sort of just doing whatever you want, right? You're just being your own guys. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away, all away. That is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. Which pause in your mind, put that in your mind, so it'll be kind of the same way in the first century. And then we need to ask ourselves, is, will it be that way now? Um, so best to say, these are Christians who are marrying unbelievers. Um, I want us to notice one thing before I move on uh, from this catastrophic text here. Uh, reason behind a matrimony. Notice in the verse there, you see it? It says in verse 2, the reason behind a matrimony. The reason why they got married was because the women were beautiful. You see how shallow that is? That's the only reason they got married, uh, which, is, which is the propensity of man, right? We, we want right, a, really, a really beautiful, hot chick who's breathing, right? And, but it's not, it's not what the Lord desires. I mean, the Lord, the Lord wants us to have women who have character, uh, who love the Lord, and who were serious about the gospel. And uh, it's just interesting that, he, that the main reason uh, for these guys marrying, well, grabbing these ladies up was because of beauty. I just think for us as men, as we're trying to be godly men, we need to really take this into serious consideration. Like, wow, that, that's interesting. I hope that's not, I don't want to retell that story. You know? Um, so, so the author's disapproval, uh, we can see the author's disapproval uh, shows that, that, that his spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. Um, I would propose, um, as we continue to move on, his disapproval is not that they had kids, but it's because they got married. 
that, that these, these, these godly men married um, unbelievers. So what is 120 years? He says here, he is mortal, his days will be 120 years. Uh, people say that, man, 120 years um, is, is, is a lifetime that God now says, hey, you men, are, you men and women are going to live about 120 years and then you're going to die. So, so basically before Genesis 6 and Genesis 5, man lives 900 years, 500, 700 years. And now because of this, how crazy everyone is, we're going to live about 120 years. I think, again, that's flawed because um, it seemed that people were living um, even past 120 years afterwards. Um, it's, I would propose in 1 Peter uh, 3.20, it says, who disobeyed? Um, long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, the people, while the ark was being built, in and on a few, few people, eight and all, were saved through water. Um, this, this passage here talks about God's patience. I propose to you that, that the 120 years is actually probably the time where, where God said, hey, um, I'm going to destroy humanity. And between the time that he said that and between the time that Noah built the ark and, be, and between the time that he actually did it. So you have... God seeing man be just evil and doing all this crazy stuff and the time when he actually destroyed man, I would say God gave them this time to repent 120 years and they didn't and so he destroyed them. Um, you can check on that on your own time. Just wanna, uh, there's a few data points just wanna, as you're reading the text to make sure that you can either wrestle through yourself before we get into the, uh, the specific pieces. Here's a crazy passage, Carrie. So the Nephilim were on the earth in those days uh, this is what brings the point, the sons of God. People put it all together, and they start saying, you know, it's like children of corn. These devils came and did something with kids, or I don't know. So the Nephilim were on the earth in, these, in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. Uh, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. Um, I don't think this is anything crazy at all. Um, I think there's two groups here. I don't think the, the people had kids and they were called the Nephilim. I think he's talking about these, these very popular people, the Nephilim, uh, which is uh, people who, who were, uh, they were, they were big giants. Um, as you read, and you, you'll see the, the, the mention of the Nephilim again, I believe, in, in Numbers 13. Uh, they were just really giant men. Uh, and they were known uh, throughout of being really big, and they were part of the Anakites. Well, the Anakites came from the Nephilim, and so uh, they had this huge reputation of being just giant men. Um, and then you have, uh, I would propose, the sons of God uh, went to the daughters of men and had children, and those people uh, were heroes of old men of renown. Okay, again, you could, that, only reason I'm bringing that up, whether, it's, whether that's the case or uh, these people had a hybrid named Nephilim. I think the point is still the same. And the point is we're going to get we're going to see toward the end of Genesis is that he's setting something up in the beginning of in the beginning of Genesis chapter six, where he's showing really popular people um, who have it all because they're these men of heroes of old men of renown. You got these tall, giant people. They got all this stuff, but they're not the ones who are saved. I, I propose that's the main point, is that you have that the, the individuals who are supposed to um, be the saviors or, or who are supposed to be saved or who are supposed to, um, who are supposed to make it, the, the likely ones aren't the ones uh, that get in the boat. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and at, and at that every inclination of their thoughts of his heart uh, was only evil all the time. So now, now this is this is a very important passage, family, because this is a uh, part of the framework of what we look at, what we are about as Christians. Notice this: this is what they call the statement of total depravity, right? Um, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination, hear that, every inclination of their thoughts of his heart, of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil all the time. Do you feel like that? Do you feel that that's you? 
Do you think about evil things a lot? I do. Uh, major point of chapter 6. I think this is telling us uh, your, your state. Um, I know I can identify. Um, but they call this the, uh, the verse of, of total depravity. They say this is basically the, the theme verse of total depravity, which means that we are totally depraved, that we are, we are just, uh, that, that evil isn't out here doing something to us, but evil is in us and we do something outside, that it, it comes from within. Yeah, buddy. Yes. Okay, so is it reasonable to expect that in the life we live on earth, that nature will change and we no longer have that constant state of grace? Uh, it, is, it is not only possible. What, what happens is in the new... Uh, so basically, Nick is saying, so basically, is this our state forever? Or is this our state right now? Or does God do something in us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, where we are renewing our mind and we can be, actually become more like Christ? And we don't have to always be like this. Um, I propose that that's exactly what ha- happens is that, is that something happens when we become Christians and God actually makes us a new creation. So we are a new creation. But what we're doing right now in this journey, in this life, is we are learning how to live in who we all already are in the Lord, spiritually. You follow me? So even though we're already that, we're already this new creation. We're not this anymore if you love Jesus. But what's happening right now is that we're battling the flesh and, we're, and God is doing a thing of sanctifying us and making us more like him, where who we already are is, who we are, is, is how we live even while we're on this side of new creation. While new creation's here, and we're over here, and God gives us, he makes us new, and says, now I want you to be who you already are. And that's what makes us look like schizophrenics, uh, because we're, we're yielding to the Holy Spirit, asking the Lord to allow us to, to make known or to reveal or to show who we already are, and who already God has made us. And that's where the fight of faith is. We trust. So what do we do when our thoughts are even crazier than before we knew Jesus? Right? right? And, that, and that, again, I suppose that's the, that's the trick of the enemy, is that so we, we're still crazy, and accuser of the brethren every day wants you to wake up, you fall into sexual sin, you lie on your taxes, you do something stupid in school, and accuser of the brethren says, you're not serious, look at all this stuff you've done, right? See, you're just as crazy as you were before you were a Christian. And then what we say, we say, wow, if, if, if Jesus had died on the cross, you could accuse me, but you can't accuse me anymore because I put my life totally in Christ. And so that's the beauty, is that in our, in our schizophrenia, in our craziness, we trust the Lord. Amen. And that's what the gospel is all about. And actually, we can go home now. That's the gospel, is that, is that I'm crazy, but I love Jesus. You see what I'm saying? And so that's the beauty, is that I don't have to become something. I am something in God. And then when I, when I show that I, when I do stupid things in my old nature, I continue to depend on the Lord. Um, so, yeah, so I just want to encourage you. When you show yourself being real crazy, just continue to cling on to Christ. Because it just says, oh, I really, really, really need you, Jesus. I can't believe I did that one. Okay? That's what should happen, not like I need to get better. Um, position of Scripture. Thanks, buddy. Good, good questions. Uh, position of Scripture to our creation. Now, again, I would say it's decreation, guys. I would say uh, we're evil, and we just continue to do stuff, and we just get worse and worse um, all the time. Um, and that's a statement of total depravity. 
It says, the Lord saw how great man is. Uh, we, we already read that. I'm sorry. So everything about us, I would say, is corrupted by sin. I want us to understand this because we, it's hard for us to just be okay with the fact that you are really, really messed up. That I am really messed up. And I, I, just want, I, just, I want you to be okay with that and just know that that's why you need Jesus. That's why we have the Lord. Like we can smile and go, I'm messed up, but God is doing a work in me. And what God does, he begins to change us, and he begins to make us more like Jesus. And so let's be clear. You don't have to stay messed up. But you, to, to not know your state, it's going to be hard for you to really trust your Savior. The, I propose not. I propose what God, if God does a change in you, is that, is that, is that I'm not trying to make a change in myself. I can't. Um, the God, what the gospel is, is that what God is saying is that you're messed up, and I just want to continue. I'm, I'm going to let the word tell us what, what the Lord says. So it says, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Notice this, guys. Um, so sin grieves the Lord. I just think it's kind of deep. He, he uses the word filled with pain. And, and notice, I mean, if you have a child, like, what could your child do to the point where you would say, I wish I had never made you? I can't imagine that four kids. I couldn't imagine, like, the, the, the pain that it would take for your daddy to say, I look at you right now, and you have broken my heart so much, I wish I had never created you. I love my kids to death. And I just, so that just let me know just the, just the pain that the father had when he just saw his people just living decreated lives. He just is like, man. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from, from, uh, from the face of the earth. So I'm just going to wipe everybody out. Uh, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Very interesting. We sin, we mess it up for everybody. Can you imagine a bird like, I ain't do nothing? Why you kill me? You know what I'm saying? So what does he do about it? He brings his justice and he kills all the sinners. Okay? So man is a sin, we're just, we're just sinful sinners who keep sinning. God says, I can't, this is just crazy, so here's what I got to do. I'm just going to kill everybody. I'm going to kill sinners. Hey, we hear this. Hey, does this make you angry? Yep. Right? Yeah, you hear this. I'm telling you guys, I love you to death. I think our body is the most awesome body ever. But it's funny, man. We talk, I, I talk like this, and I can see you squirming. kind of don't want to hear that. You know why? Guess why? Sinners hate justice. We hate justice. We, no, oh, let, me, let me rephrase that. We, we love mercy for ourselves, and we want justice for everybody else. Right? So someone does something, and we go, whoa, that's bad. Kill them, burn them. Like, we need to pay for that. God is holy God. And you do it. Well, Lord, forgive me. Would you just understand and give me grace? Right? I mean, I know I'm like, really, guys? This is be honest up in here. This is how we are. So I get it. It makes us angry. And with the Lord, he wants us to not get angry, but just understand God is just. He had to do his thing. And that, and that you know what? Us too. This is what we deserve. Here's the thing. So the reason why this is important, heart repellent is the key to minimizing God's glory. Um, I say heart repellent because this is, if we don't understand total depravity, and we talked about this briefly with the mission teams, um, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll put phrases and have enclaves um, where we can, not pay, we, can, we can sort of 
make our life where people cannot have to really search my heart. Okay? And so because, because if we know that we're all messed up, then I don't want you too near to my heart. And that's why, you know, we'll even use good Christian words. You know, you'll make a decision and you say, I have a peace about it. You know, see, that peace word is really, don't ask me no questions. Damn. You know, God told me. Don't interfere. God told me. Yeah. But I'm saying, I think those are the wrong, those are the wrong things to say. That's the wrong vernacular because, because our hearts are messed up. It says, that, it says that our hearts are sinful. We need to have men and women in our life who can say, really, God told you that? It sounds kind of weird to me. But we don't want men and women in our life like that because then we might have to actually start being holy. That's why, that's why people want to jump out a window after three months being discipled. So I, I want to encourage you, whether you're here or not, I want to encourage you, please surround yourself around men and women who deeply love Jesus and who will challenge you to holiness. Because your heart's messed up. You are going to always choose your best interests. But you need to surround yourself with people. No, no, that's not fair. Okay, you might have a good day and you actually listen to Jesus. You know? That's not fair. You might have a good day. All right, so I'm, no, I'm trying to keep it real. So, you, you know, I get it. Sometimes I have a good day and I'm like, Holy Spirit, lead me. You know, and you just, bow, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it. I get it. You might have those. But you're not going to have many. Okay? And so the days when you're not having them, that's when you need other people who are having them to be in your stuff. And me and Nate, we were laughing about this, and, I, and, and I'm actually going to have to close after this. So I ain't got to do like four verses. Sorry, guys. So, so um, I will never again talk about the Nephilim in my life. So uh, <laughs> hallelujah. So, so I, I'm down. This is not theology. I just wonder if the Lord, Lord looked at our sinfulness and thought, okay, how can I use this craziness? Because I love accountability because think of how accountability works. It's like um, it like takes our, our, our desire to be hypocritical holies. Or, 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 partner, or have pardonable sins and almost is used against us, right? I'm a kind of guy where I have my intentions and I want to do my thing, but I really want to be holy too. And so I'm kind of like, you know, it's kind of like holy sometimes and I want to trip. Well, but I always want you to be holy. You know what I'm saying? You need to be tithing, you know? I always want you to be holy in everything you do. And so I'm like, everybody else, I'm Mr. Holy Meter, you know? But in my own life, I'm like, yeah, sometimes, you know, and... We'll see, and hopefully I can, you know, I can sort of fudge this and fudge that, you know, and I'll be good here, right? But you guess what? You like that too. We're all like that. So I wonder if the Lord said, okay, since you like everybody else to be holy, but you kind of fudge your own self, and they want everybody else to be holy, but they fudge your own self, I'll let you guys deal with each other. So you can take your hypocriticalness and put it on me and say, hey, I want you to be holy. And I got to be like, man, I need to be holy. But then I can say, you need to be holy. And you say, oh, I got to be holy. But see, if I was by myself, I could tell everybody to be holy, but I could do my own thing. You follow me? So I wonder if the Lord said, I'm going to put all you crazy nuts together and have all the hypocritical people just keep making each other holy. You know what I'm saying? And then what we do, and then what we do, see, but see, we, we, we thwart it because then we start having our own isolations. Huge in America. We isolate ourselves. I am convinced isolation is such a trick of the enemy. It's not, and that's why, you know what, y'all, we make fun of the, the commune, but I love that crazy fish. I love that house in Van Dyke. Because they're all in each other's business and stuff, you know what I'm saying? And you got like a crazy, the Crawford family that's continuing in the, in, the, in the crazy Sully family ear, and now these nuts actually going to move in Detroit. Hallelujah. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's just crazy. So I just want to encourage us. Community is huge. That has not much to do with that. But, but the heart... <laughs> but here the heart repellent piece. Our natural, our natural tendencies is to have heart repellent where people cannot do surgery with us in our heart. And a whole passion and desire is supposed to be more like God. Um, okay, so that was verse 7. All right. Well, here's the cool thing. Chapter 7 is like a replay of 6. So hopefully, I mean, basically everybody, everybody dies in chapter 7. So we can uh, really hit chapter 6 a little more next week, family. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have tithing offering right now. Um, maybe if I, if I can say, Lord, what's one point that we can argue about? It will not be the Nephilim uh, in Matt groups. What it would be um, is, is to ask yourself, uh, look at some of the concepts of total depravity. Look at what God is saying about who we are, but who, but, 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 but who he is. Ask ourselves, do we have heart? Do we, do we, set, up, do we set up parameters where, where people can't really um, understand who we are and like, really look into our hearts? Or do we have people all up in our business? Do you have people all up in your business who knows about you, your sin patterns, um, your, your, your issues, if you have temper? Do you have people in your life who really know you, who know your dark secrets? Do you really? I want, to ask, I want to ask you, please, I want to employ you as a people of God. God desires you to have that because our hearts are sinful. All I'm just talking about right now is this, us dealing with the reality of who we are, and hopefully the Lord will use that. We're going to um, sing. Uh, if you are new here, um, this is an offering, time of worship for the Lord. Uh, we ask you, if you're new, hey, man, good to have you. Keep your wallets and your purses to your side. We're not trying to solicit get your money. That's not what this is about. This is about worship. Uh, we ask you to uh, worship the Lord. If you're Macav, you get that. If you are new but you love Jesus and you want to worship the Lord through giving and worship, please give to the Lord. But don't do this out of compulsion. That's not what we're about. Also, we want to ask you, um, if you have the little yellow card and you're in a community um, or, or near the community and uh, we don't know you, we'd love for you to fill that, that card out. If you have questions or anything, please fill that card out. We'd love to get your information and stay in contact. Let me pray for us. We're going to sing out to the Lord, celebrate the Lord. When you hear that you're sinful and messed up and you're told to pray, you, you go, oh, man. And you shouldn't, you, 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 your tendency is to want to feel like crap if you don't have the gospel. But I want to encourage you, like what makes me, what's, what's the joy is that that's true, but then Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you. What Jesus does, my trust and my hope and all of who I am is in Christ. Uh, that's toward the end of chapter 6, so I wasn't able to get there. I want to ask you to really understand that without Christ, you are in the dumps. And you do have an accuser, and you are an enemy of God. But in Christ, not anything you do, but just by faith saying, Lord, I believe you're my king, I trust you, I love you, the Lord frees you, and he says, I make my enemies my friends. He makes, them our, he makes us his co-heirs. We reign with the Lord. We are made new. We have new creation. We become new even ontologically. So I want to uh, implore you to give yourself to Jesus by faith. I mean, if you haven't, to ask the Lord to give you the faith to do so. I mean, pray for us. Um, if you are in Christ, enjoy the gospel. Be enjoying that reality that that's who you are or who you were, but in Christ this is who you are, holy and beloved. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this uh, opportunity to get tithes and offering. We ask that you would bless our body. Give us wisdom on how to use these resources for the community. Teach us how to neighbor here, how to love here, Lord. Offer your glory. In Christ's name, amen.
Feel free to uh, sing out with us. We're going to continue in worship with... Uh, we're going to continue in worship with Indescribable.
You guys have been extremely gracious. Um, I apologize for not being able to get through the text. Um,